Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Rebel Podcast. To learn more about any of the topics covered today, to join my one-on-one coaching or purchase any courses, head to my website, www.katrinaharling.com. That's www.katrinahaling.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. And welcome to the Rebel Podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Harling. And today I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Kerry Krieger. And she's a modern day mystic, fusing her passion for embodied spirituality with the ancient remedies of Chinese medicine and acupuncture to guide women in coming home to themselves. Welcome, Kerry. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, having for, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking before we started recording that um, well, Kerry's had a big day and her brain's maybe a bit tired, and then we go. <laughs> it's coming out. <laughs> yeah, please, um, please don't do your uh, tax, but prior to chatting to people on uh, <laughs> podcasts where you're wanting to have really passionate conversations. Um, so the the I guess the conversation that sparked. Uh, me inviting you to come on and, and um, speak today was a post that you made and I can't even remember exactly what what it was word for word but it was quite a long post about coming into middle age and being maybe maybe not having all those societal boxes ticked that we don't even perhaps want ticked for ourselves and that there aren't really people talking about when you're living a bit, I mean, not off the grid, but off the mainstream and doing things a little bit differently and coming into middle age, what that means and the changes that we start to go through. And I guess I made a comment and reach out to you saying thank you for, for starting and sparking that conversation and, and that line of thought. Um, what, I guess, is your sparked your interest in, I guess, starting this conversation? Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think one of the um one of the sort of parts of that that we really chatted about was that as women of our sort of let's just call this in our 40s um some of the um ladies listening to this will be slightly younger and older obviously but that you know i've found myself i'm 46 this year i'm childless single and whilst that shouldn't be a particularly radical life decision I mean you know I'm still a middle-class white woman living in pretty nice situations on the east coast of Australia like it's not a very cutting-edge radical um, life choice choice by any means I don't think but when you look around it, it certainly doesn't feel like there's a lot of role models out there that have made similar life choices or certainly what we see in the sort of mainstream media and um, storylines it, it can feel quite isolating and um, I think that's one of the points that we yeah connected on in in that post. Mm, yeah and it's definitely uh, it harps back to me I guess people's expectations too so I have a girlfriend who's She's maybe 30 now, so she's still, like, really quite young. And when she was young and still single a few years ago, that was always the topic of conversation. She would go to her friends' houses who were all, you know, married and starting to have children, et cetera, et cetera, and it was always, so, have you met anyone? 
Have you met anyone? Have you met anyone? Yeah. And then when she did meet someone, now it's when are you getting married? When are you getting married? Yeah. When are you having children? And so there's this expectation that we should be married. We should be having children, wanting children. We should be at a certain point at, you know, by a certain age. And I feel like that's And all of these really... are be- yeah, they're, they're beautiful choices. Of course they are, but they're not the only choices. You know, mm. in, that, in that post that you commented on, I said, you know, as a single childless woman, I feel sometimes like this sort of mystery animal, you know, that you're sort of looking around for the others of your kind. Um, and, and it can feel like you do need to hide your spots or hide your tail or hide, (laughs) you know, um, whatever it is that's, that is sort of marking you as, um, different. Definitely. And I really like the terminology that you're using around this, which is rewilding middle age. Mm. And I really like that because I definitely feel like there is a certain element of coming to a certain time in your life and it's probably slightly different age for everyone, but you really do come into yourself, into your own skin and sort of, I guess, caring less about other people's opinions or, um, you know, pleasing other people so much. And it is a kind of a sense of wildness, I guess, in terms of um, just getting to be who you really are and, and accepting that. Yeah, yeah. And look, there's so there's quite a few different layers here in that sense of freedom. I mean, um, like you say, there is a really beautiful point and has its sort of scary side as well, I think, um, which we'll no doubt get to shortly. But there there is a really beautiful sense I have felt of just being simply able to be in your own skin and own your own story and own your own power and own your own gifts um, and be okay and accept the errors, if you want to call them that, of your life thus far. Mm. And, you know, there, there is just a level of, of, yeah, caring less about that external validation and being more um, honestly truthfully anchored within yourself Um, that can feel scary I think for a lot of women if you've not been able to or if you've not been guided to have that internal central anchor point because as we age and again it happens at a different age for everybody I've certainly noticed that there's that there's less external validation coming in from the outside whether it be from looks or a certain you know um our culture loves youth you know and there's that's not always a negative thing but if you're someone who has um really guided yourself via that external validation it can be a quite a fearful phase when that energy and attention and praise based on your age um, stops coming through, you know? Mm, definitely. And it, it's that, that quote that beauty fades, you know, and that, you know, you can't be young forever and have that um, external validation based on your beauty will eventually, it will stop. And I, I can imagine that, you know, would be scary if you've built your sense of identity around, around that. Mm. And to re rewild your sense of self is is really anchoring into your internal skills and your gifts and the freedom that is available to us as we age um, and you know potentially even have less responsibilities, I think too you know there's um, 
there is a lot of freedom that can be found in, you know, um, I chat a lot to ladies in their sort of 50s and 60s and the sort of fun, playful wickedness <laughs> that mm -hmm. I enjoy in those conversations is something that I really admire and look forward to. Yes. So how do we start to do that then? How do we how do we start to anchor into mm. our own gifts and our own sense of self and kind of give ourselves praise rather than waiting for some kind of external validation or praise? Where would be a starting point? Oh my goodness. And this is this is where it's it's um it it can be tricky, you know. It's it's like trying to uh it's it's not an easy sell because it is about self-responsibility and personal ownership and mm. um, really genuinely doing some of the hard yards of disentangling ourselves from where we are attached to that external validation mm. and getting curious about what we really want. So there's a lot about, you know, there's, there's, there's the piece around saying no a lot, you know, sort of if you're a people pleaser or all of those wonderful traits that are highly praised in our culture where you kind of sacrifice yourself for the um, betterment of others in some fashion, um, really dialing that down, really getting curious about what your own needs are in any situation. That doesn't mean you're selfish and self-absorbed. Um, but being able to say no more often and get curious about what it is you really need and making that a first port of call so you are then able to give from that, you know, classic overflow. Um, yeah, it, it really does. And spending time to get to know yourself, which, I mean, I think in our, goodness, our age of, um, you know, spiritual self-growth and, and there's 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 a new book and a new everything every single week on different ways to get to know yourself but it, it can be quite simple in just making a simple list of five things that you really like to do and enjoy where you mm. feel you're most at home where you feel most like who you really are and mm. making sure that you do those things if not every single day every single week yes Yes, I love that. And I actually have worked on with some of my clients in the past who have said to me, but Katrina, I don't know what those things are. Yeah. To to go and, and take themselves on a date once a week. And, Literally. And, and whatever that means, like it could, it's a different thing every week, but it's getting to know well, what do I like to do and, yes. and making it a self-date where there's no one else, there's no one else's input. It's just you. And it could be just 20 minutes. It could be an hour. It could be a whole day. It depends what you've got time for. But to spend time going, okay, well, I'm going to go for a bike ride today. Oh, wow, yep. I really got a lot from that. Or maybe I didn't. So next week I'm going to take myself out to a cafe and just have a coffee by myself. Yep. Oh, I really, really enjoyed that, you know, and just, yep. I guess, taking time to explore because I know a lot of women who, especially those who have maybe gone straight into um, to motherhood at quite an early age, mm -hmm. you then spend so much of your time, you know, being that, that core centre person of the family and we were putting everyone else first that we kind of, not really sure who I am or what I really like. Yeah. Yeah. No, or maybe no. we've thrown ourselves into work, you know, if you haven't had your yes. you've thrown yourself into work and giving yeah. all of yourself into your clients or your um, employer or whatever that might be. So taking time to play and explore. 
play and explore is such a beautiful phrase and any of my clients uh, listening to this will be like, oh my goodness, other people are sending people on self-dates. It used to be one of the things <laughs> that they would be terrified of. Like I can recall, you know, these beautiful young clients that'd be sort of in their mid to late 20s and I would tell them to go and sit in a, you know, coffee shop on their own. Oh my goodness, the horror of it mm. all, you know. Um, but it really, a simple act of, you know, like like you said, 20 minutes, it doesn't have to be this hectic spiritual practice although I think it is really in its essence um to just get curious about who you are what you like and making sure that you do those things it sounds so simple but it's all, mm. it's 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 a you know it, it can be a thing that feels difficult as you say for all those reasons work family um yeah just taking the time to get curious about that and you're showing other people how to treat you by putting those things in the center of your life you're helping other people know who you are by um doing those things i love that i'm such a big proponent of we teach others how to treat us i think that's yeah. a really powerful phrase i can't remember who said that it's some maybe wayne dyer or someone like that yes someone like that yeah, and I think it's really, really true. And like you said, if you if you if people see you giving yourself this kind of time or this kind of treatment, they get to see, okay, that's what she likes, or that's what you know, what she enjoys, you know, and it helps them to understand you and give you that space and time as well. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of my clients, once upon a time, anyway, there was this sort of race to the um, bottom, where it was well you know, my best friend or my next door neighbor or whatever, she doesn't have time. You know, she's doing 10 things with five husbands and 12 children and three jobs and whatever else. And it was like, well, wouldn't it be beautiful if your best friends or work um, colleagues or just people in the street saw this calm, happy woman who sat still for 15 minutes, wouldn't that just be a beautiful thing to witness, you know, and model um, for other people who might actually like to dial things down a bit occasionally? Mm, there's definitely an element of that. I guess it's comparison, you know, in our mm -hmm. society of looking at other people and going, oh, well, she has a full-time job and has this side hustle, you know, manages to, you know, have a relationship or have friendships or play sport or whatever it is. And so we look at these full calendars and I guess it's that our societal view of um, achievement, like we really value achievement, yeah. accomplishment, do doing things, results, you know. Yeah. So when you're not doing and achieving and striving, we feel like we should be. 100%. And rewilding doesn't mean that you suddenly just cancel everything and sit in your <laughs> lounge room with your candles on like you can still succeed and be your own ceo or um you know run your household in the way that you want to or plan beautiful extraordinary things um but it's done in a way where you're taking into account how you feel how what you really need nourishing yourself on that deepest level um, paying attention to your own um, season, whether they're mental, emotional seasons, whether they're physical seasons, whether it's just the actual season that you're in, you're going to do different work when it's cold and dark outside as to when it, whether it's warm and sunny, you know. Mm. Um, 
the there's a really practical element to my belief of what that rewilding means anyway where you're really getting back in touch with your internal nature and how that interacts and is inspired by um the sort of natural world that we're in as well Mm, that's definitely something that our society doesn't always make time for just in the way of traditional work you know if Mm. you're looking at a nine to five or you know other certain jobs where you have to be there from a certain time till a certain time if you're feeling a bit more emotional one day it doesn't really make space for you to you know deal with your emotions you have to sort of push it aside and and get on with it pretty much Yes, yes, 100%, 100%. Which is which definitely is, a very masculine way of doing things. Yeah, in that, in, in that classic sense, absolutely. And um, a, talk, a talk I gave recently, I quoted um, that by 2025, there's going to be 1 billion, I think was the number, women going through menopause. Now, whether they've mm. used that um, title as, you know, like whether that's, you know, I don't know what the age group exactly for that was. Classically, that's sort of age um, 50, but that's 12% of the population. So mm. fascinatingly, you know, we're talking about, well, we should take some time for ourselves. But um, what I found curious was that this um, stat I found it was linked to a Forbes article around um, like marketing to that population. And wow. I was like, Oh my goodness. Okay. So, you know, on the flip side of that, there's 12%, like we would be part of that 12%, certainly myself in, you know, my later forties, we'd be part of that 12% of the population. You know, if what, what change could occur, um, positive change could occur if we were actually in touch with that season of our life, if we were actually able to honour our needs and take care of ourselves and, um, you know, use our powers for good, so to speak, um, as opposed to having our perceived, um, you know, symptoms and experiences marketed back to us, you know? Mm, well, like as a problem that we need to solve as or something that, that we, we need, need to buy exactly. to cover up or to, yeah. Exactly. And I was like, okay, so, you know, if it can be used to market to us, then we really need to claim that and and flip that um, story completely because there's a huge amount of power in um you know, in being able to change how we do um, business, how we run our lives, um, and and it doesn't have to be seen as some kind of um, issue that needs to be solved with a pill or a product or a um, patch or something, you know? Exactly, exactly. And if we're in touch with ourselves and our own emotions and we're filling up what may be perceived to be a hole or a gap or a something that makes us less than than whatever is marketed to us won't be something that we would need to purchase because we've already filled that we've already filled it up and that's a perfect example of that ex extrinsic or the in intrinsic anchor Mm. you know i mean it doesn't mean that we still don't necessarily seek you know care whether it's health health care or you know any sort of care in that age bracket doesn't mean that we're suddenly you know in in um, impervious to needing help in some fashion if we do 
but there's so much that gets thrown at us um, that targets our subconscious um, fears. Mm, definitely. And that's, sorry, you go especially. Sorry, no, 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 go on. <laughs> I was just going to say that's through all, all ages, especially women. Um, yeah. If you've ever read the book called The Beauty Myth, it's a yes. really fascinating book. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, she really talks about how women have been marketed to throughout the generations I mean really since the second world war when we went to work I think before we Mm -hmm. went to work we were marketed towards as Susie homemakers and all the advertising was the beautiful clean home and the woman in the beautiful dress looking lovely and then when we went to work it was the lipstick and the clean home and the cleaning products as a kind of amalgamation of both and then it became you know the working woman and the all the clothes and the hair and the you know and I think where she ended the book was um right before we sort of got into this age of plastic surgery, it was like sort of the very beginning of it, um, Yeah, you know, and yeah, now yeah. that's that in itself has become really common. You know, your nose isn't perfect, so go and get it fixed. Yeah. And that's sort of the, the yeah. theory of that book. So we're constantly being marketed to because we have these um, these fears and we aren't taught ways to intrinsically understand and, for, I guess, communicate with and turn these fears into our allies and into something that, is a lesson or a teaching for us. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, you know, like you, I think as, as humans, we have explored body modification and adornment and these sorts of things for, you know, centuries. Um, there's an element of that, that I think is quite natural up to a point, but again, especially classically in this midlife time frame um, if we are completely externally anchored and are seeking our energy source our sense of self-worth our sense of worth as a um, you know meaningful person that can contribute to workplaces and and also you know the home um, we will start to equate that worth with our looks and our sagging jawline and our mm. eye, eyelids and um i am never going to tell anybody not to do something with their own um body you you do you but it concerns me when it is coming from a place of that external need to feel valuable um mm. when there's such a resource internally for us to draw on that we have kind of been locked out of definitely and it's really interesting so let's turn to then that narrative in society of women one week once we get to a certain age and it kind of comes to us quite often through Hollywood once we are of a certain age we're no longer the lead star in Mm. the show we're no longer um or it's harder to find employment in you know in a Mm day-to-day sort of um realm if you're thinking and we do get sort of really marketed to I guess that storyline you know through Hollywood through through the media that we see of you know I mean let's take Jennifer Aniston who was you know always the the lead role and nowadays she's starting to be the mother and I think that's really interesting like there's there's you know I mean I'm sure she still does have lead like lead roles but it's it's interesting to watch the narrative change and the and the, the roles that they take on change as they age for sure. And look, she's of an age where she can be somebody's mum. So that's perfectly fine. But it's also not a 
um, popular cultural storyline that somebody her age or our age might be falling in love and finding their, you know, forever person because, of course, mm. that has to happen when you're 23, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, <laughs> you know, that's not necessarily the whole story um, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's almost like the stories that we do see kind of really within their own limited roles kind of stop you they stop around that that middle age do you, if you know what I mean yeah, like the, yeah. I think I think I think maybe in recent years we've had a few more things come out like Grace and Frankie that you know that TV yes. show where they're really yes. mu- mu- much older that they're in later life which I absolutely adore and there are a few yes. more films but it's kind of that gap of of, of I guess middle age you know just I, living middle-aged yeah. life and what it looks like and what it is and the different variants of it you know like you can yeah. be you know, 40, 50, be single, traveling the world, working, you might be 40, 50, married with, you know, five children living in the suburbs somewhere, like there's such a variation of what's possible. And I guess those stories are really lacking in our, in our novels, in our, in our movies, in our, in our culture, I really think. 100%. And even the women, like in either of those um, storylines, there's so many other nuanced elements to them, like the, you know, the um, archetype of, like you were saying, 40, 50 with five kids living in the um, burbs, she's still this wild, beautiful, passionate, multi-layered woman. She's not only the mother, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the other, you know, one who is kicking around doing all the so-called fun things that apparently the other you know, character can't be doing, um, she's got her own serious side as well. Do you know what I mean? There's that full spectrum element that um, our culture hasn't really embraced, that women mm. can't get to be one or two different things, but you can't be a sexy wild mum. No, and, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, or you can't be, yeah, like the the tame you know, introverted businesswoman. Like they always really show that, you know, the, the successful businesswoman is, you know, wearing the high heels and she's hard and stern and a bit of a bitch, you know, that's kind yeah, of like the role yeah, that she's it's, given. It's it's just, uh, and I just think, well, let's just have those conversations and and open up the options um, because, you know, even within my friendship circle, there are single women um, there are, you know, single mums, there are, you know, mums with two or three children, whether they're now teens or they're only toddlers, like they're so, like, it, it's a really broad spectrum and we're all having the same conversations about the same things, you know, we're, we're, we're curious about our, you know, changing health, we're curious about what's going on in the world we're curious about how to be better sort of business owners we're curious you know it's it's a full spectrum experience Mm. and I guess it's something that we don't always get taught so when maybe for some people who are I guess luck's not the right word curious enough I guess to have kind of uncovered these sorts of um, spiritual mod- modalities like we, we, you were mentioned earlier in the conversation to try mm. and find self and discover and sort of go through these layers but there are some people I know who perhaps haven't had the time made the time um, just didn't even know and so if, when we reach middle age and we're 
yeah not aware of how to connect in with ourselves or not aware of yeah. I guess the the multifaceted aspect of our being I can imagine it would be quite hard to sort of crash into yeah yeah I mean all of the things that I've been sharing about and we've just been talking about it's a incredibly privileged experience you know like if I was struggling to make ends meet and wondering where my next meal was coming from I wouldn't be sitting here going gee I wonder about my full spectrum wildness you know I'd be <laughs> I'd be you know like really counting pennies and you know in fight or flight mode so let's be really clear it's an incredibly privileged um, place to be in and as somebody in that privileged space, I absolutely want to be using my time and energy to create a pathway that other women can clearly see and find and access so that they have more options as they um, come into whatever age or stage. Um, and it, it is, it is a, a lot of what I saw when I was a little bit younger, what I kind of realise now you know, I was treating women who were going through corporate burnout, who were having these big sort of life-questioning moments in their late 30s and early 40s. And I was treating them from, you know, lots, you know, with kidneys and, and, and adrenal um, burnout and all of that mm. sort of point of view. But there is definitely an element now that I'm here of going, oh, my goodness, like it is such a shock and I can only imagine how much more of a shock, like you just said, it would be when you get to a place in this age spectrum and go, oh, my goodness, like now what, mm. you know, um, what's next? What do I really feel? You know, where is my worth? How do I, you know, because you don't always know necessarily, like you're saying, you're busy, you're running your um, business or raising your children or dealing with all the things in life. You aren't necessarily thinking to yourself, am I intrinsically motivated, you know? Mm. Um, and it, it, it can come as quite a shock and um, a grief and also a hunger for something else that a lot of women struggling to name. Um, and so I think if you're experiencing those feelings and you can't quite put your finger on it, then you're really at that front frontier of that experience. Definitely. And I think that that can come at any age. This is really what I, yeah, with women around is that feeling like something's not right. Like I've ticked all the boxes, I've done all the things, but I, I feel yep. like there's something more that I, that's out there for me or, you know, 100%. and that's often happens to us and it happened to myself too that yeah, yeah. when you're following a plan that's not created by you so maybe you followed a career path because uh, it was what your parents expected of you or they mm -hmm. paid for your studies or maybe you know you did get married really young and have children and then all mm. of a sudden you're like well who am I now that I'm 30 because you do go through quite a lot of changes in course, your 20s still enormous. so when you hit 30 it's like well hang on a second who am I and I know that there's um a lot of people who aren't really connected and we're not taught to connect in with, well, what are, what are my needs? What are, what are my gifts? What are my strengths? What, yeah. what is it that I, that really makes me feel fulfilled and how can I um, feel those feelings more to, you know, more and more on a daily basis and how can I utilize all of these intrinsic abilities and gifts and strengths that I have in a way that is of service to the world that's meaningful to me at the same time. And I think that's sort of what you were speaking to there. Some people yeah. sort of get to, 
a point and it can come at I think any age that feeling of you know I know that there's there's more that I have to give to share to hmm. it absolutely can and what I say to women and and you know what I kind of reflect on in my own journey is that if we if we had a general understanding you know I think to from a really practical perspective where you know, talking about different um, spiritual, you know, practices and beliefs and and these sorts of things, but just also in a really, really basic, uh, what I like to call grade 10 science kind of a way, if we understood or were guided to understand our, you know, how our bodies worked and the different Mm. stages and phases and ages and seasons, um, we would be taking care of ourselves in a way in our 30s or at least have an understanding of our bodies and the life cycle that we're in in our 30s that takes into um, account what we potentially will experience in our 40s. So that when you do hit 40 or 39 and a half or 43 or whenever Mm -hmm. it happens, that a lot of the changes both in our biochemistry, mental, emotionally, um, don't come as a shock because we have stopped at 30 and had those aha moments and those curiosity moments and where am I anchored? And we've had those chats with our friends and we've had those broader, um, broader experiences where you can sit down at a table with five different friends and know that each one of you is going to choose a different life path and it's equally as awesome you know two Mm. might choose to have children one might decide to have a child on her own you know the third will go off and do something completely different altogether you know um I think you know that those conversations if they're happening earlier just broaden what's possible and broaden this care that's on offer as we age and makes the whole thing a whole lot less scary and shocking in the truest sense of the word. Like we just simply didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah, definitely. And so earlier in our conversation, I think it was before we started recording, you were talking mm-hmm. about that you've had conversations with friends and clients and they, someone's been asking you to write maybe a manual, like saying we need yeah. a manual for this age. What, yeah. are some of the, what are the some of the topics, some of the, um, I guess... Yeah, what are some of the topics that you would include in a manual for, for oh, re, middle age? Re, rewilding this middle age experience. Look, I would definitely um, speak to that extrinsic and intrinsic um, grieving that happens, you know, mm. where it's, it's quite natural that that beautiful flush of youth that we get to enjoy um it's it's kind of a bummer as that fades you know but it doesn't mean that that's the end of it you know um and I would definitely speak to just having that internal anchor of your own um value um and that it is quite natural to have an element of grieving around that Mm. um I, I we we talk a lot about um that freedom, this sense of freedom as we age of caring less what people um, people think, like 
out outside views and opinions of mm. being much more powerfully anchored into your own truth and how that that can be a good thing obviously but can also rock the boat in different friendships and partnerships and yeah relationships yeah when you start saying no <laughs> when you start saying no and and the reality being yeah you know and the whole conversation around knowing how to say no and how important it is and if you haven't been saying no at all up to this point you will suddenly wake up at 39 and a half and that's all you will say because there isn't the time or the energy a you're probably so tired from Mm -hmm. doing whatever you've been doing um but also there's that sense of life is short and sure you've might you've got another 40 years under your belt to go but there's that sense of um not urgency but a sense of really wanting to honor it and nothing that's less than exactly what you need to be doing wants to take up your time you know what I mean Mm. um um, to to really really value that and to in there I mean from your biology perspective there is I'm talking a lot lately about the importance of creating spaciousness to have the depth of experience which might look on the surface as like you're doing less, you know, there's less lists, there's less things on that list of things to do for the day, but the depth of experience becomes more important. Mm. Um, and, and look, again, that's anecdotal with the, with the clients and friends that I'm talking to, but that, that need to be doing 75 million things really starts to wane in preference of having this depth of experience with whatever it is that you're doing. Yes, that's really powerful. That really speaks to me because it's my personality type. It's something that um, I struggle with. Like I try yes, to, <laughs> I try to, I try to do a lot of different things. When really, mm-hmm. what I'm here for in this lifetime is to get really deeply into one or two things, and thereby you actually do learn about everything else in the universe because it's all connected right so if you can get really deep experience in one or two things one or two areas let's say yeah <laughs> um you understand a lot more than if you if you go for like breadth of experience you know yeah. it's, it's depth yeah. over breadth which as you get older you start to realize and yeah make more time for just what's important and cut out all the rest yeah no. <laughs> yeah and and that that um ability again I guess it comes down to saying no I guess really doesn't it is you just Mm. aren't like you know calmly unapologetic about it yes say no (laughs) yeah Uh, do you have an offer that you'd like to share with the audience today anything coming up any um oh my goodness well well I do I do have my um if you are a health practitioner I have my uh masterclass um, which talks all about the five elements and how to translate your clients mental emotional experiences um, into your practice Um, but what I'm really busy working on at the minute um, is creating my soul salon uh, which will be a um, online group coaching program for midlife ladies going through all of the things that we've just been chatting about Oh, amazing. And when is that due to start? Well, you know, <laughs> hopefully by the end of the year. It's, it's been the slowest, lengthiest uh, riding 
pro process, I think that um, depth of experiencing has been my lesson this year to just keep mm. keep thinning things out so I can really go deep on what I really want to. But it should be ready in the next couple of months. Amazing. I will have all of Kerry's details so you can connect with her on social media and her, find her website, uh, follow her, read her. I know you've got, Kerry, I think you've got a blog and an audio blog, audio version of it. So yeah, there's heaps of. Yeah, there's loads of content there. Exactly. Heaps of content, heaps of um, juicy offerings as well. So you can find all of those by the links that will be attached to this episode. Thank you so much for your time today, Kerry. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much, Katrina. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Welcome to the Rebel Podcast. Pep talks, meditations, and thought-provoking discussions to help you use emotional intelligence to thrive in life and business. The word rebel is French for rebel, broken down into its parts. Re means again, and bell means beautiful. I'm Katrina Harling, your host, and my intention for this podcast is to create more space in your mind to re-beautify the way you see yourself, your work, and the world around you. Let's go. Let's go.